Well, good morning, Temple Baptist Church. Uh, Happy New Year. It's so good to be with you, at least uh, virtually. I know we can't meet together today, but uh, it's good to be together and open God's Word. And so uh, I want to talk about a fresh start, starting with a clean slate. Now, we know there's some things this year as we enter into 2022 that are still going to be in front of us, but I think we can all agree that we've been under a lot of pressure the last year or two, haven't we? And you know, when you put anything under pressure, it has the potential to create fractures, including relationships. And uh, so we, we've probably had some, some dings in our relationships, some hurts. And uh, I, I just want you to think for a second, just for a moment, uh, who has hurt you? Does a name come into your mind? Does a face pop up? Uh, it may be something in the last year or two. It may be something that's long-standing that uh, somebody has hurt you and you're carrying that pain in your life. Uh, I think we've all had those experiences. When I was 16 years old, I got a job at Canadian Tire. And uh, I had the intelligence of a, you know, of a patio stone, probably about that point in my life. And, uh, but I get this job at Canadian Tire, and I liked the job fine. I uh, enjoyed it, I enjoyed the people I was working with. The man who owned that Canadian Tire store, he was what we would, an old word, curmudgeon. And he was not a happy man. I mean, I think he had a good business, but he was just not a happy guy. And uh, we, we teenagers kind of tried to steer clear of him. Well, one day uh, he got upset with me. And man, he was really, really unhappy. And he let that unhappiness be known in front of all of those other co-workers and some customers in the store. And I was like 16 and I was annoyed. I was embarrassed. I was devastated and it made me angry. And I just could not forgive that. And uh, that uh, began to percolate in me an attitude while I was working there. And eventually one day I just kind of threw in the towel and I, and I packed up and I quit. And, uh, and it, was just, it was just not a good thing. I was carrying this unforgiveness. And, uh, you know, after that, I would drive by that store, you know, and I'd, you know, you know, really mature, you know, yell over at the store like I was getting back at him. And boy, I carried that. I carried that for a long time. You remember those things. That was one of my first job experiences. Um, unforgiveness. Well, what is forgiveness, right? Let's get a definition. Let's get some handles on forgiveness because that's where we're going today is trying to clear the deck, starting this year with a clean slate. But forgiveness is ceasing to feel resentment for wrongs and offenses. It's when you have this freedom where you cease to feel that resentment and you release that. And uh, we are people as Christ followers who should be intimately familiar with the wonder and the value and the glory of forgiveness. Now, there's this eternal issue of forgiveness, right? And I think we may know that. But, but just listen, if, if you're here, if, if you're watching this morning and you're saying, you know, do I feel, do I carry a burden in my life? And maybe you've never experienced the reality of eternal, eternal forgiveness that's brought about by the way of what Christ has done for us of Jesus coming and dying in our place, because all people have sinned. Romans 3.23 tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us, me, you, all of us. Now, that doesn't mean we're as bad as we could be, and it doesn't mean that we don't do good things, but there's a gold standard for obedience, for behavior, and only God can attain it, because he's the only one that is completely holy, who is completely right. 
And so uh, we have all sinned. That's the reality. And, uh, and we need to have a standard, right? We need to have a standard. In our society, if we didn't have a standard of obedience and behavior, our society would collapse. But the ultimate standard is God. And because we have all sinned, we are party to the penalty for sin. And the penalty for sin, we read in the book of Romans, again, 6, uh, 23, for the wages of sin is death. That's what sin brings into your life. It brings death into your life. And if you engage in anything relentlessly that is uh, unjust, that is unrighteous, that is sin, you will ultimately experience death. And there's a myriad of ways that you can do that. But the second part of that verse in Romans 6.23 is, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, listen carefully, is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sin. But God shows his love for us in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. And so that's the eternal forgiveness reality. That's the long view of eternity in our lives. And so if you haven't experienced that, you need to give careful consideration to that today. Uh, Peter said in the book of Acts, Repent, therefore, that your sins may be blotted out. Turn away from your sins and turn toward Jesus. And that is where we've all come from if we identify as Christ's followers today. And if you've never experienced that grand blessing of forgiveness, then I encourage you to talk to somebody about that very soon. Now, with that as our background, I want to make a couple statements as we get into our message this morning. Uh, the first one is this. If you've never experienced forgiveness for your sins, then what I'm going to talk about over the next few minutes will seem uh, virtually impossible. Like, you know, this idea of just being free of unforgiveness will seem impossible. It may seem unreasonable unre and, and even unreachable, and it might even seem silly. Like, really? I mean, I can't imagine that. The second thing I'd like to say as we start is, if you have experienced forgiveness for your sins through the gift of Jesus, taking your sins upon himself, what I'm going to talk about this morning, friends, is a non-negotiable. It's a non-negotiable to following Jesus. If you're going to be a contagious and joyous follower of Jesus, this idea of clearing the slate, a fresh start, is non-negotiable. And to fully experience forgiveness from God, we must be able to exercise forgiveness to others. Now, I'm not talking here about that uh, issue of ultimate judgment and, and knowing that we are free from ultimate judgment uh, from God in our sins. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the reality of our daily relationship with the Lord that gets uh, hindered by our own unforgiveness, right? And we've all probably experienced that. And the reason sometimes, listen carefully, the reason sometimes that we do not feel forgiven, I believe, is rooted in our own unforgiveness. So open your Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 18. And we're going to begin to read at verse 21. Now, this passage talks about uh, what to do if you are a Christian and someone sins against you, and you may know that, the steps that you should take if someone hurts you, betrays you, sins against you, and gives a process for the potential restoration to that relationship. And after Jesus teaches on this, then Peter, who's an, always the inquisitor, he poses a question to Jesus, and he asks, how many times do I forgive somebody who hurts me? 
How, how, how often am I to do this, right? And so look at your Bibles there. Uh, Matthew chapter 18, hear the word of the Lord beginning at verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Verse 23, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now Jesus is going to unpack this beautiful story. Listen, when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. This massive debt that he could never pay, the master forgave. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, which is a very small debt, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. Verse 29, so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to the master what had taken place. When his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? In verse 34, and in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Listen to verse 35. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So this king, he's settling his accounts, right? And he forgives his servant who owes him this massive amount of money. And the forgiveness is motivated, of course, we read there by pity and by compassion, but the same servant that is forgiven meets someone who was in debt to him to a much, much smaller degree, and he insists on payment. And the king, when he hears about that, is appalled by that, that someone who is forgiven should treat others contrary to how he himself has been treated. Now, I think you can see where this is going, can't you? And so we are therefore to give expression to our sense of wonder and delight at having been forgiven by forgiving those who have sinned against us. So a guy receives forgiveness, and then that same guy, that servant, he doesn't extend forgiveness, and then consequently, listen, he doesn't experience forgiveness because he finds himself in a prison of his own. And poor old Peter, right, he must have thought, wow, 70 times 7. He may have thought, wow, you know, being forgiven and now being an unforgiver. Boy, that, that's me. I wonder if Peter thought that. And, and, you know, the reality is I think most of us can relate to this. I, I can find myself in the story unhappily, unfortunately. We've received a great experience in our lives of having the penalty of eternal sin lifted off of us, total eternal forgiveness, and then we harbor unforgiveness in the little uh, insignificant ways and days of our lives. Now, the idea of forgiveness was familiar to Peter, uh, and it's familiar to us. I want you to turn back just a few chapters in your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. Now, in turning back, 
you're winding the clock back, if you will, about eight or nine months. So we're going back about eight or nine months before this story that Jesus had ju has just told uh, took place. But turn back there to Matthew chapter 6 and look at verse number 1. Reads this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is saying, here's how not to be a hypocrite right? Don't try and look deeply spiritual and sort of uber-religious, and uh, everybody's looking at you when you're actually not that, when you're just actually spiritually kind of shallow. And if you read on, he talks about, you know, getting recognition uh, by praying for all people to see and letting people know you're fasting and sort of living this sort of outwardly, oh, I'm so spiritual kind of life. And as part of this teaching, then Jesus gives what has become known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, that's probably the most mislabeled title in history because it is the prayer for followers of Jesus, not actually for Jesus. It is for us, and it is a prayer to guide our devotional life and our worship of God, because prayer is always worship, isn't it? In the middle of this prayer, he throws out, uh, Jesus throws out this hypocrisy hand grenade, if you will right in the center of the prayer. So look down to verse 9 of Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus said this, Pray then like this. He's saying, here's how you should pray. It's the only time he instructs these disciples on how to pray. Pray then like this. Our Father. Now see, when we say our Father, that links us to each other in faith. Isn't that a wonderful thing? It's a common Father that we have. In heaven, hallowed be your name. We address God intimately as, as Father, but we immediately, in the same sentence, Jesus says, we recognize His infinite grace, uh, greatness with the addition uh, in heaven. This is where you reside. You are incomparable. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Forgive us, all of us that would pray this prayer, our debts. Puts all people in this place of being in the wrong with God and that only he can cancel out these offenses. Only he can pardon it, right? He's saying, you know what? Forgive us our debts, we're praying. Because we all have them, right? It recognizes that we owe God our full obedience. And when we do not give God our full uh, obedience, we incur a debt to him. And only God can settle the account. Now, here comes the hand grenade I mentioned. Ready? And you know what it says, forgive us our debts, verse 12, as we also have forgiven our debtors, past tense, right? We're also doing the same thing. We're not going to do it, we're actually doing it, and have done it. Jesus is saying, ask for God's forgiveness freely and confidently, because you have already forgiven people who have sinned against you. And it has been said that those seven words, several theologians have said that those seven words, as we also have forgiven our debtors, have made more of us hypocrites than any other statement on earth. Probably true, right? Now look farther down because Jesus gives a PS to this prayer in verse 14. 
Look what it reads there. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others your trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Jesus reiterates the teaching that we read uh, earlier in Matthew chapter 18 and says, you know what? You can experience a deep sense of forgiveness, but only as you also forgive. And this is a prayer of relationship. It's how to keep the relationship with our Father open and healthy and real and honest. And what makes this relationship work is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit residing in you, enables you to live in ways that are not natural that are just not natural. Because the most natural reaction to someone hurting you is to do what? Yeah, it's to hurt back, right? That's what we want to do, right? It begins right as a baby, right? You've seen you know, little babies playing and one kid will whack one kid and the other kid, what do they do? Whack them back. That just, that just is what naturally is in our sinful flesh, right? It's natural to return the offense. We see that so vividly in the world in which we live. But the Spirit of God enables you to live in a way that is supernatural and to respond to hurt, to offense, to betrayal with forgiveness. And when you do that, you have moved, friends, into supernatural living. And the Apostle Paul tells us that when the Spirit of God oversees your life, this is Galatians 5, and 23, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Your life is marked by these uh, supernatural realities, even in the worst of times, right? Love, joy, patience, peace, kindness, goodness, uh, long-suffering, right? Those are not natural responses when someone hurts you. Not at all. And if you want to experience an unhindered relationship with the Lord so that God can use you, then you have to live in this supernatural way, and you can do that with His God's enablement. Many of us know the story of Joseph, right? The prince, prince of Egypt. Now, if you haven't watched that movie with your kids, I think you can get it on Netflix or whatever or with your grandkids. You should watch it. What a fantastic uh, story it is. And, and it comes up with three things about forgiveness if you watch that, that story of Joseph. And you should drill these three things into your kids' heads. These are important things because our, our world is designed to hurt people, to ding people, including our kids. But in uh, the story, we find it in Genesis 37. Jacob is a son, excuse me, Joseph is a son of Jacob, and he has all these other 11 brothers, and the brothers become jealous of uh, Joseph because their dad loves him, right? He's sort of the favorite. And so they decide, you know what, let's sell him into slavery. And they thought he was a bit arrogant because he had dreams about them bowing down to him, and that annoyed them to no end. And so Joseph ultimately is sold into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt at only 17 years of age. And through many events and circumstances, he becomes the right-hand man of Pharaoh and has tremendous authority and influence. And then about eight years later, during a famine, Joseph sees some men coming to Egypt. And do you know who they are? Of course you do, right? They're his older brothers. And their father, Jacob, has sent them to Egypt because they're running out of food. And, and back home in Canaan, things are really tough. And Joseph, he actually recognizes his brothers. But interestingly, they don't recognize him. In the midst of that hurt and betrayal, Joseph demonstrates how we should respond, right? To clean the slate. How do we deal with the unforgiveness? Number one is we grieve over the hurt, but we don't hurt 
the hurter. Let me say that again. We should grieve over the hurt. When someone hurts you, you should grieve over that. That's okay. But that doesn't mean that doesn't allow you to hurt the herder. Is that possible? Yes, it is. But like I said, it's not natural, right? Uh, Augustine had a wonderful quote. I love this quote. He said this, O Lord, deliver me of this lust of always vindicating myself and always making it known that I'm right and I've been mistreated. 2 Corinthians 5.17 gives us a great picture of this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. We've got this new reality from which we can live. Uh, Philip Yancey says, in the final analysis, forgiveness, listen, is an act of faith. By forgiving another, I am trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am. Isn't that great? And so we release that person. The second thing that Joseph demonstrates, and if you're going to clean the slate, you have to do this too. Remember, people change, including us, right? You've changed. I'm changing. We praise God that He allows us to change. He helps us to change more into the image of Jesus. But in Genesis 20, uh, 37, 26, and 27, Judah says to his brothers, you know, what profit, what profit uh, is it to us if we just kill Joseph and we conceal his blood? And he says, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites, which they do. Now, after Joseph is gone, the baby of the family is Benjamin, and he becomes his father's favorite. Joseph's out of the picture. And when all of this interaction is going on between Joseph and his brothers, uh, when they come down to Egypt, Joseph actually asked that Benjamin stay in Egypt as a slave. Now, what's interesting is Judah, who was the architect of selling Joseph into slavery, now pleads for Benjamin to be able to return back to his father. Jo Judah is changing. He has changed. Instead of selling his brother out, the favored brother out, he is actually trying to protect him. He's changed, and people do change. And if you forgive today, you will prove assuredly that people do change, because in forgiving today, you will change as well. The third thing I want you to note is that if you want to live healthy and happily today, you must repair your past. Okay? you got to repair your past because, you know what happens? Hurt people will hurt people. Hurt people will hurt people. And healthy people, you know what they do? They tend to help people. 1 Peter 3.9, Peter says, Do not repay evil for evil, but on the contrary, bless. Listen carefully, bless. And I'm going to come back to this. For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. Uh, I love the old story. There's an old story about two brothers that own a store. And uh, one day, a man came in to make a small purchase, and he, it was just for a dollar. This is an old country store, and years gone by. And the brother who made the sale placed that dollar bill on top of the cash register, and he walked the customer to the door to say goodbye to the customer. And when he returned, that dollar bill that he'd left sitting there on top of the cash register was gone. And he says to his brother, he says, did you take the bill I left here? 
He says, no, I didn't. I was over here doing something else. And he said, oh, come on, you took it. It just didn't disappear. There's nobody else in the store but the two of us. And he said, I'm telling you, I didn't take the dollar bill. And that turned into a place of mistrust and suspicion. And it, and it grew and it festered and it boiled over so that they could not work together. And it got to be such an upset that they ended up dividing the inventory in the store and dividing the store into two separate stores. And for 20 years, they operated two independent stores and didn't interact. One day, a stranger pulled in to, in, up in front of the store in a car, and he said um, <clears throat> to the one brother, he said, Hey, uh, your store, has it been here a long time? And he said, Yeah, we've been here 30 years total. And the man said, Oh, really? He said, Well, I need to tell you something. He said, Some years ago, he said, I was down on my luck, and I was hungry and looking for food, and, and I came down the alley behind your store, and I was trying doorknobs, and your back door was unlocked, and I came into the store, and I saw you and your brother, and he said, I stole a dollar that was sitting on your cash register and went out the back door. And it's bothered me all these years, and I've got my life put back together, and I, I, I just wanted to come and get that off my chest. And you know that brother, he started to cry. He started to weep, and he said, come, come next door. He said, you need to tell that story to my brother. We've got to sort some things out. And so they were reconciled. But you see, that's why you have to repair your past. If you've got hurt and pain in your past, you need to repair it so that you can live a healthy and happy life today. Now, if you want to start this year with a clean slate, let me just say three things very quickly, okay? I want to give you three practical things if you want to start this year with a clean slate. And if you've got some unforgiveness that you need to deal with, how do you deal with that and start 2022 afresh? The first one is this, repent. Repent. Repent for your unforgiveness and repent for your part in a broken past. Go back to the foundational sin of how this unforgiveness and this hurt came about and confess that to the Lord, right? Because unforgiveness, listen, is actually unrighteousness for a follower of Jesus. 1 John 1, 9, you know the verse, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That unrighteousness of unforgiveness will be cleansed from you. So you repent. Give that over to the Lord. Turn away from it. The second thing is you forgive. You actually forget. Ask God to forgive me of my unforgiveness, but as you are doing that, you forgive. Because when we forgive, you know what we find? We find that a prisoner has been set free. You know who the prisoner is? The prisoner's us. We're the prisoner. And then the third thing is express gratitude to your heavenly Father. Express gratitude to your heavenly Father. Uh, say, you know, Father, I am grateful that for the grace that has been extended to me by way of Jesus. And I'm grateful and I have gratitude. Repent, forgive, declare your gratitude to the Father. Do those three things. Uh, let me share a story with you and I'll be done. About six or seven years ago, uh, on the August uh, 1st holiday weekend, so middle of summer, hot Sunday afternoon, holiday weekend, I'm sitting on my patio and it's uh, late in the afternoon on Sunday, probably about six o'clock at night, and I get a text to my phone 
and it's a man in our church and he says, my father's gone missing this morning and we can't find him. The police have been looking for him and he's, and would you pray? And uh, I was, wow, this is, this is, sounds pretty serious. I knew his father was an elderly man. And so I phoned this uh, fellow from our church and I said, hey, you know, what's going on? He said, well, my dad went for a walk in this park this morning with my mom and they got lost and, and, and my dad went to go one way and my mom went another way and they said, we'll meet back in an hour. My mom came back, no dad, he's got lost. We don't know what's happened to him. He said, finally, my mom called the police. The police came, they scoured the park, they can't find him and we just don't know what to do. So he said, uh, I'm just on my way back to the park in a few minutes, I'm gonna keep looking. But he said, the, my mom's at home, she's a mess, you know, we don't know what's happened to my dad. Well, I happened to know that park because it was right next to the high school that I went to. And so I said, listen, I said, you know, I can go over there and I can help look. And that park has a very, very densely wooded area. I mean, deeply dense, you can't even really walk through it. It's vines and trees and bushes and just as thick as could possibly be. But I said, I will go over and look. There's a lot of trails through the woods. I said, I, you know, I'm happy, happy to go over. So I went over and the truth of the matter is I wasn't that happy to go over. Uh, but you know, when you're a pastor, you get paid to do these things. I would have just soon stayed on my back deck, but I knew that I probably should go over. So I went over and I began to look. And I was walking down a path, and on one side of the path is a duck pond, so all these ducks are out of the pond. And you know, a duck's love for you increases with the amount of bread you have in your hand or in your pocket. So they're all honking and quacking, you know, hoping I'm gonna feed them. I don't have anything to feed them, but they're all around me. I'm walking down, I've got a duck path on one side of me. On the other side of me, there's a creek, a pretty good sized creek that's kind of deep. And on the other side of the creek is this dense wood. So I'm walking along there and I'm looking and these ducks are quack, quack, quacking. And all of a sudden I was like, did I hear something? Did I hear a voice? And, and so I made my way over to the edge of that creek and I looked across there and I said, is there anybody there? And I looked, I couldn't see it. Thick brush, you know, middle of summer, everything's green and thick. And I look and then I saw just a little bit of colored fabric, just a little square of fabric. And I looked and I said, is somebody there? And the man's name was Dave. I said, Dave, are you, is that Dave, are you there? And all of a sudden I hear a guy call out in a very weak voice, help, help me, help. I, oh my goodness. I said, Dave, stay right there. I grabbed my phone and I phoned uh, 911 and I said, we're going to need some help here. I found a man that's missing that you're looking for. And then I phoned his son who actually was at the other end of the park and he came running down. And within minutes, the fire department was there and the ambulance and the police. And it was so thick where he was. He had gotten off the path for some reason. He had fallen down and injured himself. Then he'd had a mild heart attack. He'd been out there since about nine in the morning. He, he was completely dehydrated. He was in very, very bad shape. And so the firemen had to go across the creek with a stretcher and they had to get out a chainsaw and cut some bushes back and they hauled him out of there. And boy, he didn't look very good when they loaded him into the ambulance. And, uh, and one of the firemen said, boy, you know, if he would have been out here overnight, he, he wouldn't have made it. You know, he's, he, he just, he's in bad shape. He was in the hospital for weeks. Here's the interesting part of that story. You know who that man was? That man was the man that owned the Canadian tire store that so embarrassed me when I was just a teenager. That welled up inside of me this unforgiveness as a teenager. That was the man they carried out. And remember what I just read to you from 1 Peter 3, 9, right? Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. See, 
that day that I went and God blessed me and gave me the ability, and it was God that did it, friends, to find him in those woods. You know what? That allowed me to bless that man, and I received the blessing. You know, the unforgiveness was lifted from me. I got a second chance. I got a second chance to be free from all of that. And I realized, oh, I just felt so good. I just felt different. I, I went home that night and I sat outside and I just reflected on that about how only God could orchestrate all that. And so the last thing is that I want to say, if you want to have a clean slate this year, bless your betrayer. Bless your betrayer. Again, it's unnatural. But remember what we said, Father, forgive me my debts as I forgive my debtor. Bless your betrayer. Bless your betrayer. Now let's go back to where we started and we'll be done. I asked you, was there a face, a name that came to you at the beginning of the message this morning? Can you bless that betrayer? Can you? I think with God's help you could. And you would find new freedom in that. That would be like the combination if you've ever been in a breakout room, you know, and somebody says, oh, I've got the answer. That's the answer to be free from your breakout room. If you're locked in a prison of unforgiveness, then you know what you do? You repent of your unforgiveness. You forgive. You share your gratitude with God that he has forgiven you, and then you bless your betrayer. And that will open for you a door of freedom. And I encourage you this day, friends, to begin that journey of freedom. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We love you, Father. Forgive us when we have been people who have demonstrated unforgiveness. And sometimes it's things that happened a month ago, and sometimes it's things that happened decades ago, and yet it still has a place in our heart that it should not. And so, Father, may we clean the slate, and may we have a fresh start to 2022 as your children. Father, we love you. We want you to hear that this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.